I think the true horror of what COVID-19 has done is going to become more and more apparent. I, I think it is going to be ongoing and it's going to affect the rest of our lives in drastic ways. And there's going to be a lot of blame about that. And inevitably, the blame will lie on the People's Republic of China. And we'll all be, we'll, we'll all be caught up in that. And I, I think so that's why we have to be very, very vocal about this and very, very upfront and you know, and and reject that idea, you know what I mean? And, and reject the idea of us as a monolithic block. So welcome back to But Where Are You From? A podcast about British-born Chinese culture. I'm Viv, the host of the podcast, and we're going to get straight into it. I spoke with Daniel York Lowe. He is a British East Asian actor, screenwriter, director, musician, you name it, he's done it. And honestly, this chat was so enlightening. He has a career that spans so many different breadths and avenues and he's explored and done so much and just listening to him talk about why it is so important that we stand up for being British East Asian and what it means to be a BBC or a British East Asian person and he talks about things so eloquently and so well I was just in awe listening to him the entire time. Um, I felt like I learned a lot and I hope you do too when you listen to this. And um, it was a pleasure speaking with him. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's really interesting. Also, if you want to find out more about him, I've put all the links in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a review as well, because I am one of the four people who have left a review in my own podcast. And that's really sad. You'll see it when you go on Apple Podcasts. Take a look. But yeah, please leave a review. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on because I found you via Facebook when yeah. the Guardian released an article about you promoting your upcoming show. So we are we are not a virus. So yeah. do you want to tell us a bit about that and then we'll go into everything else? It's basically well, I mean, we um, I mean, we Moongate is it's not. I wouldn't say it's a theatre company. We're like a production company, but but we we we, we you know produce plays and short mm. films down the years and stuff like that. And mm. what what it was was when lockdown happened, there was this old kind of thing about the arts and how are we going to survive and all this kind of stuff. And the Arts Council released these emergency funding grants. And mm. uh, so we, uh, Jennifer, who runs it with me, yeah, basically we talked about um, we should apply and what can mm. we apply for. Mm. And I thought the most prescient thing really that that, that – for for our ethnicity at the moment is mm. the the I'm not going to call it a rise in racism because I think that racism has always been there and, and yeah we I some agree. of us have got by 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 having a temporary modern minority card and some of us have sold through in that sense but I mean I, yeah. I don't think it's you know I, I I think the viciousness and the hatred and the violence is lurking underneath a kind of surface of tacit acceptance based on mm. compliance. Mm. So we wanted to do this thing and, and get get a lot of people involved. So we came up with this idea to commission ten very short pieces mm. um, under the under the banner of "We Are Not Virus," and we literally gave that headline to all the writers. And like, Just write what you want to write off of that. So, so it's not it's not it's not going to be ten ten pieces of people talking to the camera going, "Oh, I got I got called the c word the other day, and I got mm. popped." It's not it's not. There's all sorts of Funny, I was just talking to the sound designer about mine. It's like a, it's like a piece of jazz music in a way. It kind of riffs off. Of yeah, nice. So you're a musician as well as actor, screenwriter, director, yeah. everything else that goes on under your, your yeah, yeah. Bows. I, I, I am a musician. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. in a band called Wandermere. Mm. Um, we're all all three of us are mixed race uh, British East Asians. Myself and Amanda are uh, half Chinese, and and oh, okay. the there is is. is, is uh, of Japanese descent so Amazing. yeah okay cool so do you want to do you want to tell us a bit about kind of your life then growing up so um yeah. in, in this podcast we talk about kind of just our experiences growing up and we try to it some of it's relatable some of it we've I've spoken to um 
Eura- mixed Eurasians who are based in like Hong Kong, who traveled all over the place. So it's really interesting to hear different perspectives. So tell us a bit about your life growing up and what's your family like? I, well, I was, <clears throat> my, my family, uh, my father's from Singapore. Mm. And uh, it's quite a torturous story. Like I'm called Daniel York Low now. For years I was Daniel York. But I mean, that that is actually... Right. That surname York is, is is a kind of colonial myth in a way. My my grandmother remarried an English serviceman mm. called York, which you are oh. my father. Okay. And my father's real name is either Low or Chu, depending on which side of you know. Yeah. And he was bought here. My father was bought here to Britain when he was eight years old. This is in the nineteen fifties, and mm. suddenly he went from tropical Singapore, mm. you know, from his from 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 the. In, in 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 the midst of a very big and I think quite loving, you know, Singapore Chinese family, mm. he ends up in Birmingham in the middle of winter with an outside toilet when he's eight years old. I mean, I, I can't. Oh. Think, but, you know. How though? Why why did he come? To, why did his family well, come to because, the UK? Well, because my grandmother married this English serviceman, and in, right. in those days, Singapore there was no no PR immigration for husbands, and when mm. Singapore got demilitarized at the end of the war, yeah, you had to go, but, you know, and and. So, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine the trauma that no. caused him. And, yeah, you know, you know and, um, and I would say, weirdly, I mean, it, it's funny. I, I did a, a kind of, I'm doing a kind of photography project with a, with an illustrator friend of mine called Emily Chen, where, where she kind of put me in a chair. She asked me questions with, with a camera on me, and she said, "What was your school like? What, what, what was school like for you?" And I, I just went, "Trauma." Uh, oh, you know, yeah, you know, really. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was kind of in the seventies and eighties. It, it was, you know, very overt racism. Very, and I would, yeah, get out. That all I, I, I don't remember getting called by my name very much until I was about thirteen. I, I just lived. He was, yeah, China, you know, the C word, yeah, Bruce, yeah. Um, Hong Kong Fui. I, I mean, mm. Fu Manchu. You, you just go. I mean, the full gamut. That's what I was. Yeah. And how did that affect you then as a, as a kid, do you think? Oh, I mean, you know, intense kind of rage. and Yeah. I, I, I've written about this in the – I'm one of the 21 writers in the Good Immigrant compilation. I wrote about the fact that I, I was, used to get in a lot of fights and I was mm. put on medication when I was eight years old, I think. Which is wow. Yeah. Isn't that funny how the, like, our system manages that? Like, we'll just give yeah. you some drugs – to deal with this, even though it's, it, it sounds like it was very much a mental health issue that could have been dealt with in, in lots of other ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it was it was the way the world was then, and I, mm. I don't know, has it, has it got a lot better? I don't, it, got, it got a little bit better for a little while. I, I wonder if it's yeah. rolling back now. Um, yeah. But because I, I got in a lot of trouble. Uh, I got a lot of trouble at the school, got a lot of trouble with the police, got a lot of, you know drugs and stuff like that. you know i'm not not really not a model minority kind of example <laughs> i'm not you know not a standard asian with good grades and no no but i to be honest i i think that that that's something that's kind of emerged in the last 20 years i think before that mm. see, see it's, it's quite strange to me now we're kind of viewed as this kind of middle class upwardly mobile mm. like good grades good job model minority when when i was young we were generally poor people mm. felt like you know the whole world looked down on chinese people we, we were like these poor scruffy peasants who who would come here and take mm. any visa they could get and take any job they could get about a little money they get that that mm. was the, the general cliche about us about yeah. this kind of we're, we're kind of viewed as the nouveau reach of the of the world and it's it's interesting with people like people like ourselves who, who are british born like where do we really fit in that because we're obviously not we're obviously yeah. not Tiger princelings from you know what I mean with, with loads of yeah. with, with Burberry and Ferraris. We're not that obviously. It's weird, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it is a kind of a weird mix of cultures. And how do you identify? Do you, do you feel like you identify more so with being Chinese now that you've got older? Did you reject that growing up then because of what you the racism that you experienced? I, I don't think I ever rejected it as such. I, I don't think I've I've sat in a lot of sort of group chats with other people from East Asian diasporas and they, and they sort of sit there mm. going, um, oh, I, I always thought I was white and I always wanted to be white. I don't relate to that. I never want it to be white. Mm. I wanted to not be different. And I mm. weirdly, I remember saying to my mum, could, 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 could we not move to China? I didn't know. I didn't know what, 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 didn't know what that meant at seven yeah. years old. You know, could we not move to China? 
and mm. there was a news item, and like I say, there was of these poor Chinese kids on 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 the I don't know the Yangtze River somewhere fishing in the water, and my mum went, "See, if we were in China, that's what you'd be doing now, fishing." <laughs> and I, I think I'd rather be fishing than being called a chink every day at school. Oh. I, I actually she said that to her. Yeah. 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 Oh, I just want to yeah. belong somewhere, to be honest. So yeah, um, I, I feel, look, to me, I'm an Asian. I don't, I don't feel like, like I'm half white, you know, and, mm. and when I go to Singapore, they call me white and I don't like that. I actually get more offended by that. Really? Do you? Yeah. I don't like yeah. And I think it's especially interesting for mixed um, Asians because you, you do have to almost like pick a side, don't you? When yeah. really, why can't we be accepting of both cultures and, and both identities? Totally. My friend Jassa, who's uh, who's I was on the equity committee with. He, he's um, of Bengali descent, but he, he mm. he's got this whole clothing line. You know, both not half. That, that's his kind of both not that's, half. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, with me, I think I very much identified with your mates in the sense that growing up, I very much wanted to because I live in white suburbia. Yeah. My my mates, my best mates, blonde hair, blue eyes. I've always wanted to be white, and it was only as I've gotten older and I've um, made friends with more British-born Chinese people, um, and just reading more about my race and, and identifying with it more and loving this side of my life. It's only recently that I've really started to embrace it and, and feel proud of being Chinese. And it's something that me and my sisters, I had them on the podcast recently. We hadn't really talked about it that wow. much. Um, and until we started talking on the podcast and we were saying, yeah, actually, we are so proud of who we are. Whereas if you yeah. asked us this 15 years ago, we wanted to fit in so badly with our yeah. friends, uh, which is a shame because I feel like I, I kind of I wish I embrace a bit more. I wish I embraced going to Chinese school more and yeah. actually learning how to speak Chinese because it's terrible. How's your Chinese? Do, do you speak? Um, I, I mean, I can speak basic mandarin and in dire emergencies cantonese um <laughs> you do better than me then i can't speak mandarin <laughs> i mean i i kind of learned my father-in-law mm. only really speaks mandarin right so yeah. it's it's um um I, I learned for a lot of jobs and stuff like that and 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 it's mm. it's quite frustrating my, my pronunciation's not bad so if, if well, i've been in Sh- i was working in shanghai once and i mm. go in the shops and i start talking and, and the, you know, there's a myth about Chinese people. They're very stoic and cold. They're actually not. They're very, very chatty and very friendly. Mm. And if, if you look slightly foreign, they can see in me. They go, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they want to know straight away, don't they? Right now, you know what I mean? They love, they <laughs> love to chat. They love to chat with you. And it's it yeah. quite heartbreaking sometimes how the conversation would, would, would disintegrate. You mm. know what I mean? Because I just didn't have the vocabulary to conduct it. it oh, yeah, yeah. So your, your wife is Chinese? She's Singapore Chinese as well, Singapore but I mean, Chinese, yeah. th- th- there's a myth about Singapore. Everyone can speak English. It's not quite true. I Is it not? Okay, oh. right. I mean, yeah. if you look at the the the, the TV channels there, right? Because they've got mm-hmm. an English channel, they've got a Tamil channel, a Malay channel, and, and, a, and a Mandarin channel. Mm. The Mandarin channel is by far the most watched on the island. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So Man- Mandarin is the most. Is it the most spoken language? Else. I mean, it, it, it probably is English because that's the one yeah. that everyone can communicate in. But yeah. I, I do think, and, and in a way, what, what, what's heartbreaking about Singapore is is there were lots of different dialects there. There was Hokkien, mm. Tokyo, Aka, you know, mm. a whole load of Hainanese even. And, and they've been gradually kind of like wiped out. So it's, it's all been standardised mm. into Mandarin now. It's a shame, I think. Yeah, that is a shame. I know, I mean, my family are Hakka people. Are you Hakka? You're from Hong Kong? Yeah. Is it your family from Hong Kong? Yeah, my family from Hong Kong. My mum yeah. and dad from Hong Kong. But um, I don't speak a word of Hakka. I can understand it. Like, I think I think I can understand about 5%. I'd wow. say. You know, very simply, like, have you had dinner yet? Are yeah. you going to bed? Um, but mum and dad would speak. They would speak Cantonese to each other. But then um, if they didn't want us to understand something, they would speak in Hakka to one another. <laughs> If yeah. they were talking about some secret goings on within the family or whatever, um, but yeah, it's yeah, I don't speak it at all. But I know some friends who actually are really fluent in it, who are, who are really good at speaking Hakka. And I always feel like, oh, I'm just not. I feel like you have. To, I don't qualify in being like a proper Asian person because of my lack of language, um, yeah. and it's so it's so stilted. But I've I've moved back home now. When I lived I lived in London, moved back to Manchester for a bit, then moved back home again, um, and. Since living with my mum, again, for the first time in years, since I was like 22, 
my Chinese has improved so much. And she even says it has as well. Like the tone is still awful. But I've said to her, mum, speak to me like you speak to your mates. Because I hear her speaking on the phone to her mates. And she speaks, it's a different level of Cantonese. And I was like, speak to me like that. Speak to me. I want to learn more. So she's been trying to teach me just words every so often, just dropping them in. I'm like, what does that mean again? (laughs) Um, But I think this is the only time that I'll ever get to experience that. Um, before I move move on again to somewhere else, essentially, yeah. yeah. Unless I marry a, a like a Hong Kong guy, or or move yeah. to Hong Kong, you never know. Well, maybe we'll go back to Chinese school <laughs> at the yeah. age of twenty nine. <laughs> oh yeah, it's. I mean, Cantonese is a fantastic language, I think, and uh, it's it's a shame all those kind of dialects are. Uh, gradually disappearing it's a real shame yeah you know have you ever used it in your, any of your shows have you ever had to speak fluent Cantonese Mandarin or any other type uh, of language in your shows yeah I mean I have yeah. um I'm I mean I did a whole I was in Shanghai when I was in Shanghai I was doing a, a bilingual version of King Lear mm. so um with and half the cast were from Shanghai and half the cast were, were, were British East Asians like me mm. And uh, we, we, we did it, yeah. So I've, I've acted on stage in Mandarin, yeah. Um, wow. Is, so do, is that kind of like, do you have to memorise each sentence or do you understand it to a level where you can read it and then, like you would like you would do a script in English? Like what's the process in learning a it, script it in Mandarin? Depends how involved the script is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I like I say, I, I understand the rudiments of the language. There's just, just words and sentences yeah. that I don't quite get. So... Generally, I, 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 there's a certain there's a certain level where it is very very phonetic and it's mm. quite quite um, it's quite what's the word? It's really jarringly challenging. You, you have to sit there and go over it again and again. Mm. But I generally, by the time I've learned that, I generally understand the gist of what I'm saying. Yeah, completely out. But I mean, really, a, a lot of my I I I actually am quite vocal about certainly on television in britain the only opportunities for actors these days percent tend to involve doing a silly accents and b yeah. languages they can't really speak yeah and, and yeah. i always find it a bit a bit um i, I think that limits our opportunities in a whole lot of ways yeah it's really bad actually yeah no i agree i mean i've read quite a few articles on i've, I've stalked you online and i've been oh, reading <laughs> A few things about you, you. You do a lot in terms of talking about this, which I think is definitely needed. And and yeah. actually, I didn't. Um, I didn't realize there was such a. And well, obviously, I did know there was an issue in mainstream media, but just discovering the likes of you who yeah. actually talk about this, it was completely out of my radar. Um, I don't know whether it's because I'm out of the London theatre scene or and whatnot, but. Talk a bit about how has that been in terms of have you seen it improve in recent years or do you feel like there's still a long way to um, go? In the theatre, it's definitely improved. Mm. It? You know, there's no doubt about that. We've got a lot mm. more going. British TV is just, uh, I mean, it's just terrible to be honest. I don't think, yeah. you know, and, and and the problem is it's very difficult to because there are a lot of us. East Asian actors who get very, very excited when the latest big project comes around, the Strangers yeah. or the Chimericas, and you know, and 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 we, we we get the job and it's quite well paid, and we we get in the car every day and they take us mm. to the set, and you know, it's very, very nice and very the lovely world, and it's all great. But mm. you, you do have to think, well, what am I doing here in terms of mm. representation and portrayal? What is that? And uh, am I really being given a chance to be an actor? I'm not, re- or am I just mm. literally, literally? Um, performing ethnicity yeah and yeah. I, th- I have to say I, I mean I don't want to rain on anyone's parade but I look at I do look at some East Asian actors and I think man you know you're gonna when you're 65 you're gonna yeah. look back at what have I done in my life I go mean, on who I'm no joking I'm, <laughs> to be honest chap a stick I don't I don't want to be nasty but I mean yeah. I mean look, look I was in one of them recently I was in Strangers and uh, I, I never made it past oh. it yeah I never yeah. made it past it I mean I mean I I've never seen my big scenes. To be honest, I don't think that big. But mm. I, I, I was very thrilled to get the job, and then and yeah, then going there on the set, and everyone was very nice. Don't get me wrong. I really, no, you know, yeah, get that. I get that. Yeah, nice. and I, I did a did a scene with Anthony Wong. It's like you know what I mean. Like, yeah, great. You know what I mean. 
but I just thought this is just not very good. I I, I was really depressed by it, really. And then mm. I watched episode one, and um, I remember I remember texting Katie afterwards. Mm. Katie, I said you were the best thing in that by a country mile. But I said you were the best thing in that by a Kowloon mile. Um, <laughs> so which bit? Which you were in episode one? I'm trying I'm, to think. I'm in episode one and four, five. I can't remember. I'll be honest. I right. I play the newspaper editor in it. Yeah. It's not. I mean, oh, I, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't downplay it. I mean. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. It's a high status character. I'll say that for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, he's like, I, thankfully, I, I, I didn't have to speak any Cantonese in it because there is some quite terrible Cantonese in it. Mm. It's excruciating. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to do that. But I, I just thought that. You know, number one, if you're gonna you're gonna put something in Hong Kong, then, then put Hong Kong people at the center of it. Don't don't, yeah. don't put put Chinese people at the center of it. It's yeah. all revolve around white people, and and the Chinese characters are quite othered. I think they're quite you know what I mean. Mm. Mm. And I just I, I I I don't know. And 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 you look at episode one. The thing that, I mean, Hong Kong is one of those brilliantly bonkers, mm. vibrant, politically very very hot yeah. spaces on the planet. Yeah. And you spend episode one with a morose white man mooning around in a in a, in five star hotel suites. Yeah. I just don't see the point of that. With a, with a few vistas of skyscrapers and that. I just yeah. think that's so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, me when I go to Hong Kong, it's noise. It's, it's not like that, is it? Yeah, the smell that's... is terrible. Yeah. Or, you're on we're on the markets. Yeah. Depend, depending what 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 eatery you're near, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then all of a sudden you turn around the corner, it stinks of fish. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is it, you know. But it's and the beauty of Hong Kong, though, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it's sensory sensory bombardment. It's a glorious place, you know. Yeah. You know, and and really, actually, weirdly, for someone that was colonized, very, very, I would say, traditionally Chinese, Cantonese, I would say, whatever, or. or where all the different mix of cultures they got there because because you you know in mainland China a lot of that was kind of knocked out in the cultural revolution mm. where, where, whereas in Hong Kong I think they kind of maintained that kind of a lot mm. of those traditions which 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 aren't so observed anymore you know mm. yeah so did you spend time in Hong Kong then have you lived there before or no I didn't on that show no I was, I was a bit annoyed about that they, they ended up filming all my stuff indoors and I was I was, I was a bit pissed off about that because uh, oh, so you you're still yeah. in the UK for those scenes. No, I was in oh. freezing Ealing. I would, love, oh. no, I, I would love to go back to Hong Kong. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to go yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. So why why do you think, so why do you think, I think this is probably an obvious answer to this, but why do you think there is such a lack of um, representation and also knowledge within kind of the TV yeah. scene in terms of British East Asian culture? I think okay because it's all controlled by white people and we haven't had a strong yeah. enough voice. We haven't had a strong enough voice about it, and we've not objected strong enough. Now a lot of that, I, I could sound like I'm criticising people, but a lot of that is purely. No, so, this is a safe space. No, you no, can no, criticise as much I, as you want. <laughs> I absolutely will criticise, and I will. But but a lot yeah. of it is down to I think that there's there's an idea that we have that that, that is put around by us, and which we we buy into that we're, we're quiet and reserved people. We don't make a fuss. This mm. is not true. If you look at the history of China. If you look at what's going on in Hong Kong now, we know how to cause a fuss. There's, mm. there's no doubt about that. But because we're isolated from each other, we're not in any community. We we, we lack a collective voice sometimes. Like you were saying about you and your sisters, right, growing mm. up, right? Now we can put that down to your own internalized racism, but I, I think that's being isolated a lot. Of that do you know what I mean? If, mm. if you were, if you were in the middle of a of, of a community, you know, when you look at like if you go to someone like Brixton, which is you know majority probably Black African Caribbean. Mm. If you go to uh, Hounslow, which is majority uh, South Asian, you go to um, uh, where's that place in Manchester where the the, the Indian restaurants are? The, the, oh, Rushome. Yeah, Rushome, yeah. the Curry Mile. Yeah, yeah. You, you go there, you're in the middle of a community. Do you know what mm. I mean? And, and it's a different kind of feel. And I just think we 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 lack that and lack that kind of political voice, I suppose. And yeah, and, um, you know, now I'm going to criticise. We haven't been bold enough though, and I think too many of us are too easily pleased. I have to say. We can't take it. This is yeah. great. Hey, look, I'm 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 in a scene with um with with James Nesbitt, and they they're all great, you know. And mm. there's there, there's a line I wrote for for a show I did recently, you know, on the set taking selfies with, 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 with the leading lady. That's it. Mm. But does it does it move us on? No. So, what do you think we can do then in terms of improving 
representation in this way in TV and and in just generally. I mean, I think I think we've got to demand more. I have to say, I I, mm. I always say, I mean, when I was heavily involved with 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 equity, the trade union, I used to go to the TUC Black Workers Conference. One thing they used to say there about portrayals on TV, they said, "Do you see anything that you don't think's right? You should complain about it." Now mm. you'll get a very patronising reply from the BBC. You will. But mm. they do have to log all those complaints. They do look yeah. at them. They absolutely do. And if they give yeah. you the complaint, they start going, oh, well, what's going on? You know what mm. I mean? So there is that. It's about speaking up. But, I mean, there, there's a lot of things like, like the fact you're doing this podcast is, is a brilliant thing because that, 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 that's a forum for us. It's a forum for you. Mm. And it's, you know what I mean? And, and there's more and more of this stuff happening now. And, and that, that, yeah. That's what it takes, to be honest. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I've seen a, a surgence of podcasts talking about being British East Asian since lockdown, which is just incredible. Someone messaged me saying like, oh, it's great that you've done this. I've never seen anyone do a podcast like this, but I want to do one too, but you've done it now. So I don't need to. And I'm like, no, you do it too. There's there's no such thing as having too many voices. We are not saturated in the slightest. We need more people talking about it and more experiences because my experience is going to differ so much from theirs. Um, and we need we just need people talking about it more. Um, but I was too scared to do so. I think I was really worried about what um, my white friends would think and almost kind of see it as um, being anti, anti-white almost um, when that's clearly not the case. And if that's something that makes them feel uncomfortable, that's their own issue that they have to really look inside themselves. Um, well, that line on the Stormzy album, he said, this is not, this is not anti-white, this is pro-black. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate white people. I have, I have no. my family white, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. my mother's white, you know, I'm like... Mm. But you have to like think about about like like do we want do we want our heritage to just die or do we want to mm. make something vibrant and cool and really kind of engaging and I, I do think mm. there's a sense where you see see when you've got people like yourself starting podcasts there's a sense where we create our own culture in a weird kind of way and mm. and actually reject a lot of that mainstreamness like like one thing I think black people have done really well is is especially in the theatre they 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 will put on a play with someone like James McAvoy in it and black people just go man I'm interested in that. Mm. Going to watch my mate ten day in a play in a small theatre, mm. you know, and they're, they're much more about. And I think we're starting to get that. We're definitely starting to get that, you know, where it becomes about us and uh, mm. our stories and our narratives and our portrayals and what we want to say about the world and what questions we want to ask. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think it's you're right in the sense that racism has always been rife, but now so it's the time for us to really really shine a light on it. I mean, with everything that's going on uh, with uh, George, George Floyd and and everything, wow. I think it's obviously a terrible situation. But it's it's the right time, I think. Well, it's always been the right time for us to have a stance on it and have a voice in this too. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's awful. It's really awful. But and I'm, and I'm seeing actually, and I don't want this to be a trend, but I'm seeing more white people sharing things on social and talking about it as well and actually joining into the conversation rather than shying away from it, uh, which I hope continues past this. And it's not just because everyone else is talking about it. I feel like I should join in almost. Well, I, I think, you know, we have to keep it in ether because because one of the things, mm. one, of the, one of the reasons I wanted to, we wanted to do We're Not Virus is because I do think going forward, it's, I think the true horror of what, COVID-19 has done is mm. going to become more and more apparent. I, I think it is going to be ongoing and it's going to affect mm. the rest of our lives in drastic ways. And mm. there's going to be a lot of blame about that. And inevitably the blame will lie on the People's Republic of China. And it's horrible, we'll, that, isn't it? We'll, we'll all be caught up in that. And yeah. I, I think, so that's why we have to be very, very vocal about this and very, very upfront and, mm you know, and, and reject that idea, you know what I mean? And and reject the idea of us as a monolithic block. I mean, mm. that's the thing. I mean, you, you know, people say, people in the media have asked me, have you been the victim of any racial abuse since mm. the start? Well, I mean, I got back to Singapore and I've been locked down, so no, but yeah. I have had, like, there was a very long-standing friend of mine posted on Facebook, he said he messaged me, like, this is way back before lockdown, he went, mm. coronavirus thing, he said, uh, you don't think, you do have to admit, though, it's down to the kind of, Tendency Chinese people have to be anything that moves, and I was like, no, 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 Rob, back off, man. don't, don't do that. Yeah. You know? Because you know, let's just be clear about this. I, I have met in my life probably hundreds of Chinese people from everywhere, from yeah. Hong Kong, from Taiwan, from China, from Singapore. Mm. Here, I, 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 I am totally. All my social circles are 
Chinese, mm. East Asian, whatever. And I have not met a single person who eats a plant, ever. <laughs> yeah. I've not met a single person who's ever eaten a dog. Mm. In fact, you know, I know a lot of Chinese people who are very, very squeamish about what they eat, yeah. you know? And I know a lot of Chinese vegetarians. My wife's a vegetarian. A lot of Buddhists, yeah. like Taoists, they don't eat meat. Yeah. You, you know, there's these awful cliches. We're presented as this monolithic block, which, yeah. you know, and I do have to say, I think the, 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 the government of the Chinese Communist Party government kind of does propagate that idea as well, that we're all mm. one solid mass. And mm. a lot of us buy into that. And I think we have to disengage ourselves from, from governments and disengage ourselves from the monolithic block. We are individual mm. beings. Mm. And we're not all cruel, nasty, you know. No. We're not. We're not. We're just not. No. No. Yeah, you put you put that really, really well. You articulated that so well. How how I felt about it, that you've just like said that perfectly. Um, how does, does it make you feel angry? Because you just saying like me yeah. just thinking about the experiences that my friends have had. So like my mum's friend's daughters have had people come up to them and they're like seven say like oh do your um do your do your parents eat cats and bats and then like they're they're seven they don't know how to handle that i don't think i would know how to handle that now um even if it happened to me and it makes me feel angry on behalf of them that we still experience that and that comes from their parents it doesn't come from them looking at the news at seven years old it comes from their parents who go to the same school yeah. as these kids it's just yeah i feel like it's really unfair it's very unfair and it's very upsetting and mm. I, I worry about children, mm. to be honest. But then, he, you know, I, I suppose they have to know that's the world they live in, unfortunately. And it's mm. been going around like there's a lot of Islamophobia in Britain at the moment in the Western world. And there's a lot, you know, obviously black people who cop for it. And, mm. you, you know, it, I maybe you know, I don't want to say there's a positive side to it. There's no positive side to it in a way, but it's good that we kind of know that we are an ethnic minority because I think a lot of people of the generation just below me or maybe my, they kind of, I don't know, they kind of live in this weird space where they think they're kind of subpar white people and they're kind of removed from all that. And and they're quite, reasonable. they're quite reasonable about racism. A lot, a lot, a lot of East Asian people are very reasonable about racism. They go, Oh, we shouldn't take things too personally. You could, you could have a sense of humour. You couldn't, you know. I think that's age, though. You know, because I think I was like that. In fact, I, I admit now that I, up until probably when I when I started thinking about what it means to be Chinese and what people would say to me at work or in school, uni, whatever, like I accepted it and almost joined in with it. Like I, I definitely yeah. think I did in a way to feel accepted. Yeah. Um, and well, it was because you're isolated and you don't want to, you know, and. Someone, someone wrote about um, the, uh, the black person who wrote about this about about how tiring it is to have to, have to be the one calling out all the time. When you mm. when you're the only one in in, in the space, mm. you're the one. You're the one going. Wait, hold on. No, no, don't do that. And, and yeah, inevitably. I mean, I mean, the, you're, the, the true definition of insanity apparently is when you're at odds with the world around you. It's so, when you're what? Sorry, you're at odds with the world around you. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. You and me on our own, you or me, right? In a in a in a Tommy Robinson gathering, we become the mad one in the room. Mm. That's it. And so, if you're the only person in the space going, look, that that joke you made about mm. eating dogs is really not funny. You, you you everyone in the room suddenly looks at you. Uh, yeah. The one for me, the one for me is, and I call this out a few times. The word Oriental. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, there's an awful lot of people in the world, including Chinese people, Japanese. Yeah, people, just don't get that that's a problem. Yeah, and literally, when you raise it, you can feel that everyone in the room just turns to you, and goes, "But wait, what?" Yeah, you know, and that's that's tiring and that's difficult and that's traumatic. So, I, yeah. I completely understand people's natural tendency to not want to do that and to and to kind of like, okay, I did not cause a fuss, you know. Mm. So go on, so ex- explain that then, unpack that a little bit, because I feel like it was only something recently that I've decided. Yeah, actually, when I researched into it, this isn't this isn't good. This isn't right. And my friends yeah. have even said that too, who are British-born Chinese, the word Oriental, and they just use it, you yeah. know, flippantly. But kind of tell us a bit about why that isn't. If you want to, if you feel like it is well, not good. Well, I absolutely can. Um, yeah. It's all in um, Edward Said's book, uh, Orientalism. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he talks about the. It's a colonial term, mm-hmm. and it, it actually has no ethnic meaning at all. Mm-hmm. It literally is the furthest point east. So it began in the Ottoman Empire, Turkey, and mm. you know it went further and further east. And it, it, it's the kind of 
the Orient. It's, it's the point of weirdness, the point of otherness. Mm. And Edward Said puts it that it simultaneously um, exoticizes and belittles us. Mm. You know what I mean? So we become these kind of golden magical creatures in a way. They're, 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 there's a kind mm. of Orientalist fetish, fetish, Orientalist fetishism. Oh, you know there I mean? is. I hate that. There is these kind of like, you know, as these magical creatures, you know, with this kind yeah. of ancient heritage. And mm. it's actually, but it's actually dehumanizing. Mm. Um, it's a colonial term. It's a racist term. It, it's, it's just, people say to me, well, what about when people says that oriental carpet? I said, well, if you want to use it to describe carpets, it's fine. Cause that's an amazing <laughs> object. But human beings should not be called orientals. No. So we, I've seen this in fast fashion where we've had kind of, um, they've, they've, described um a dress as like an oriental dress yeah. and and we've seen lots of kind of people boycotting that brand or and even like the, a model wearing that dress who is white who has has no connection to being east asian whatsoever oh. um and it's only recently that i'm like yeah actually i can see why this is wrong but if you asked me this even two years ago i would say yeah. i'd be like don't see the issue with it yeah. And if anything, I will probably would have described myself as Oriental too. Yeah. Um but you know, we're learning. <laughs> well in the in the Spotlight Access Directory, Spotlight is the access directory mm. everyone has to go in. Mm. They used to have they used to be hard copy books. So they, they were like they would go along the <laughs> mail access A A to A to C like that. that wow. You know. oh, God. Um but now it's all online, of course. Yeah. But, but they, they would have categories of actors and mm. um Oriental was used up until literally five or six years ago wow we were, yeah. i was british oriental mixed and what are we now are we east asian I, or just asian I think, we, I think we've got a british east asian yeah i think yeah yeah i think you can say chinese and stuff like that you can say you can be more specific but yeah yeah so yeah i mean do, do you want to tell us about kind of in terms of how how did you how have you dealt with racism when it comes to kind of being in the acting world? So have you ever had any kind of like heckling or any reviews that you feel like are kind of covertly racist or anything like that? Oh oh god yeah I mean I mean mm. I, I can't even I mean <laughs> you can't even name like point uh, out one single story. So many I mean you you, you have to like really really I mean there was. I mean, funnily enough, I, I did this little on, on my Instagram page because lockdown had happened at first and I wasn't that busy. I got busier. Mm. Uh, was was I, I went through and found photos of, of different things I've done in my career. And mm. it was nice photos. So I put them on. I do a little write-up with each of them. Mm. And as I was looking through these photos, I actually read a lot of the theatre reviews, which I don't normally read. And I, I was like, oh, these are so racist. <laughs> one of them, there was one of them that talked about a play I did at the Royal Shakespeare Company called Stone Midsummer, which was a phenomenal production. I can't even mm. tell you how good it was. People mm. like, you know, literally, I went, I went up to Stratford not long after that to do a workshop in a girls' school of white kids, white mm. middle class girls, and I got there late. The train was delayed, and the the other person running running the the workshop, which came to me, said, "They all watched Stone Midsummer. They're so excited you're here." Mm. And that meant, that meant a lot, you know, as, yeah. as, a, as an East Asian actor and in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a place set in China, you know. Yeah. But there was one review we got which went on about um, gnomic utterances and inscrutable faces. I say that again, sorry. No, gnomic utterances hmm. and inscrutable faces. What does that even mean? Well, it means it means you know the the the, the, the like 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 there was there was one line one of the old ladies had the, the old lady in the play had which is um, don't speak unless you're improving silence you, mm. you know what I mean of course that is called a gnomic utterance mm. um, there was right inscrutable um, inscrutable is one they always use mm. I remember when Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon first came out there was a big article in the Guardian mm. going, yeah, it's very spectacular the actors are so inscrutable it's a kind of you know, that, that we're not expressive. Right, okay, that was stoic, yeah. Absolute rubbish. And, mm. and, it, and again, it's a racist trope because we were traditionally called inscrutable. Well, these Chinese are very inscrutable. They're, they're very, they're sneaky, they're duplicitous. So mm. the idea is you can't read the face. Mm. So there's all kinds of sneakiness going on. Right. You know, it's, it's a really... Uh, dubious and it's so it's so um covert isn't it that like you almost can't call it out because well i mean did you did you call it out at all like did you 
Is any point? I mean, okay, there was one of the play I wrote, and I mean, I'm used to this now. The 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 plays I write sometimes they really trigger white people, but but you know, there's. Mm. There was one of the first play I ever wrote was called The Fu Manchu Complex, which was uh, basically about the whole, you know, I mean, I, the, the problem we had was with it with it was that a lot of people under the age of 40 just don't know anything about Fu Manchu now. Fu Manchu was just kind of like... I don't, I don't know no, how to well, say, I mean, please educate us. Well, let me tell you, it, 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 was, it was really, I mean, in a way, he's the most influential screen villain ever. A lot mm. of Doctor Who, a lot of uh, James Bond villains are based on Fu Manchu. Mm. Um, Doctor Evil in the Mike Myers film is very, very much based on Fu on, on Manchu. Mm. Fu Manchu was just kind of like, he was written, there were books, they were written by this guy called Sax Romer in 1911, he was the first one. And Sax Romer was a fantasist. He mm. never met a Chinese person in his life. <laughs> and he happened to be in Limehouse Chinatown, and he was like, what can I write about? And a Chinese guy came, that's what I'm going to write about. <laughs> so he created this character called Fu Manchu, which you think about as a ludicrous name. <laughs> now Fu Manchu was this like, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, 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 a supervillain genius. You know, mm. he could speak, he could speak sixty-eight languages. He 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 was a master of poisons and herbs. Mm. He could do martial arts. He could do. He, he was a scientist. <laughs> he was, you know, he, he was just he, he was just every single yellow peril, <clears throat> orientalist, paranoid trope embodied in one figure. You know, and, mm. and his 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 goal was to bring down the Western world. It, you right. Know, <laughs> so, and, and, and there were films made of Fu Manchu. There, there was mm. a whole. And, and interestingly, he's never been played by an East Asian. Man. It's always yeah. been by a white man in yellow face. Mm. And it, it, you know. So I wrote this play called the Fu Manchu Complex, which is basically a pastiche on that a satire. Mm. And, <clears throat> I mean, I got a lot, a lot of horrible reviews for it, but but there were, and there was mm. one I did engage with. I, I engaged with the critic because mm. she, she she wrote down the opening lines of the song. <clears throat> and the opening lines of the song, it's the first thing you hear on stage. Attend the tale of Fu Manchu. His skin is yellow, his eyes are skewed. Mm. And she went, well, we, we know from the opening two lines, we're not getting anything subtle here. And so I did end up having a conversation with her when I said, yeah. no, what I was pastiching there was yeah. yellow peril tabloid headlines of the mm. late 19th century and early 20th century. And if you've seen those headlines, mm. these are real British newspapers. I... They're, they're really much less subtle than that. They really mm. are. Yeah. You know, Chinamen in opium dens, you know what I mean? Filthy yeah. Chinamen caught in opium dens, you know what I mean? Yeah. Drugging white Western, drugging white girls, you know what I mean? Just ridiculous, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that you can say that, so that's, that, that was me satirizing that. So you can point out, you can say mm. you didn't satirize that well, but you have to see what I'm doing, surely. Yeah. But it, it wasn't, you know, there, there was just no way that was going to be engaged with. You know, did, did she respond back to you? Yeah, we had a whole we had a whole dialogue about it, and I, I don't think the, the conversation went very well for her. She, she had to admit mm. she didn't really want to watch the play that night. <laughs> she, only got, she only got called in because the lead, the lead theatre I think, was ill, and she was <laughs> You know, she wanted to watch a friend doing a David Bowie's a mermaid impression. That's <laughs> That is so unfair, though, isn't it? Because then that completely skews the review itself. Yes, it does. But, I mean, I don't mind now because I've survived. At the time, it wasn't funny. Mm. I've survived and prevailed. The, the other one, the other one, when I did my play Forgotten, which uh, was about, is about the, the World War One Chinese labour force. Mm. And we... And played it phenomenally well. We sold out to audiences of predominantly Chinese. We, we got, you know, we got postcodes coming in. Everything. It was actually I got some, I got some brilliant reviews, so I don't want to complain. Mm. But there was a couple, and one of them went, "Oh, yeah, it's, it's full of like Confucian poetry." Now there was one line of Confucius that was very definitely there to be sent up. You know yeah, what I mean? It yeah. It was one character sarcastically quoting mm. Confucius at another one. But there was nothing Confucian in it. There was, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. You know, like, so he just he probably just recognised that, and he thought he'd reference it to make him sound like he knew what he was talking about. That's what I. That's what I read from that. You get a lot of that. A lot of that going on. Such a snob. You know, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. The main characters in the play were an amateur, amateur Chinese theatre troupe. And mm. One guy went on about, oh, oh, they're they're doing a form of Beijing opera, and it's like. No, aging opera wasn't really invented then. And these are yeah. these are illiterate peasants in Shandong. They don't know anything about mm. aging opera. You know, they're literally yeah. making theatre for themselves, yeah. for mm. their friends. Yeah. 
And that's the only thing they can reference is Beijing yeah. Opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so what would you say? We're, we're going to wrap up shortly because I'm conscious of your time. But what would you say oh, the yeah. lowest moment of your career so far? We're going to flip this and, and ask the other question. But The lowest moment of my career was probably what, what started my activism was. Mm. There was a children's TV series on uh, back in 2008, I think, called, called Spirit Warriors. No, oh, it's awful. Um, <laughs> oh, is it awful? Awful. Not worth me watching then. <laughs> well, look it up if you want to laugh. I mean, but, but I remember like going to audition for it, and um, I had to fight to get an audition for it. I get a lot because I'm mixed race. I get a lot of going, well, you're not you're not Chinese enough, so I don't even. But I think it's good for this eventually. But, um, yeah. So they gave me the script, and the, the actual words on the page were all right. It was the treatment of it. The, the words on the page were actually all right, and I took it very seriously. And I thought I'm going to try and act. And there was a whole thing going on in, in, in when they were auditioning me and the guy sort of said, what's your biggest challenge? Mm. And I started talking about acting in Moliere and Brecht in the theatre and how difficult it is and Shakespeare and stuff and <laughs> Jacoby and tragedy. And I, I looked up and he, his face, and I was not supposed to be talking about that. You know, I, I, you know, as, as a Chinese actor, I shouldn't have <laughs> And then my agent called me the next day and, uh, yeah. and I asked the phone, I went, hello. And, and she went, she didn't say hello. She went, you know, I love you, don't you? And I I've got this in trouble. Oh no! Um, right, okay. She went. They've just been on the phone. They're they're kind of outraged at what you did. They were like so low key. It was understated. Did he not read the brief? You know, it was supposed to be a larger than life world, crouching mm. tiger, hidden dragon, oh. uh, a mythical giant. You know, we we're expecting something. We we're expecting something larger than life with a Chinese accent. And I was just oh. like, oh god, like you know what I mean. And that, mm. that was low. I'll tell you why it was low. It's not just that they rejected me. That's, that's by, by the by. No. It's the fact that they felt strongly enough about it to actually mm. complain to my agent about me and endanger my career. Yeah. That was important. That was a low point, but it also kind of started me off with being vocal and being an actor. Yeah. I felt yeah. like th- there's a book I've got by Banksy, you know, the artist, mm. and he talks about when he was at school, somebody punched another kid behind him and he got the blame for it. And he said, mm. I, learned, I never follow the rules because they're going to blame you if they want to blame you, whatever you want. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That is that is so unfair that they kind of um, almost limited you down to just being Chinese at that point, and the fact that you couldn't you couldn't talk about all the other things that you've ch- had challenged for you as an actor. It was just the fact that you couldn't put on a Chinese accent. I can't even do a fucking Chinese accent. Like well, I mean, it's no. I mean, a lot a lot of Chinese actors can't do Chinese accents. It's just so funny that they think that. I, so I did drama in school. And I have you seen Avenue Q? Yeah. yeah so I yeah. I was casted as the Japanese woman. Yeah, the American Japanese. She's American. Yeah, though, she? Well, she came from Japan. She's got an accent. <laughs> and obviously, that was the role for me because I was the only Asian person in our drama class at the time. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, I can't even sing. So, like, I was terrible at the role, <laughs> and I couldn't even do the accent. Um. So, yeah, <laughs> Japanese, not even, not even Chinese. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I obviously, in a very, 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 very small way, understand your pain in a very, very small way. What's the, what's the? Sorry, go on. No, I'm done. I was going to say that 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 was like in a way because what you were talking about there was mm. I wasn't I wasn't supposed to talk about the things I've done, which are, I think are very real achievements. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, acted at the Royal Shakespeare Company, acted in all those classical playwrights. I remember being at drama school and, and one of our tutors looked around, there was a group of 30 of you, he said, none of you will ever do a Shakespeare. Statistically, none of you will ever even be in Shakespeare. And the fact yeah. I had left drama school and done all that stuff, I thought, Amazing. Oh, that's an achievement, man. And I'm yeah. not used to talk about it, you know? Yeah, that's incredible. So, so what yeah. would you say the proudest moment of your career is to date? I mean... There's a few acting wise. There's a few. There was You're only allowed one. <laughs> I'm only allowed one. Okay. I, I will, okay. This one, I think, probably is it. When, when I wrote Forgotten, the the World War One Chinese Labour Court play, which took me four years to write and research, wow. killed me. And then there's a whole journey of getting to the stage. But the moment I, I was absolutely astonished was I I, I had to go and do a a Q and A. Post show Q and A after mm. the matinee performance on Saturday, and so I went to the Arcoda Theatre in East London, and this, you know, as, as a writer, I didn't have to be there, so to watch the show, I'd seen it hundreds of times, and it was sold out. It was sold out. I couldn't Amazing. get in anywhere. Yeah, and <laughs> there was a moment where I stood at the top of the stairs waiting to go in to the Q and A. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I heard this burst of applause and this cheering. I was like, wow. Oh. And then I was still at the top of the stairs and this, all these, the audience came filing and they were all Chinese. They were, oh, I love they that. were like of all ages. There was like uncles and aunties with their grandkids holding hands. Oh hand. my God. And there were people I knew, people I've known for years. Yeah. And, and like, oh, like, like there was a guy, there's a guy called Javis Lam who runs Hackney Chinese Community Centre. Mm. And he just patted me on the arm. He went, well done, Daniel. Like that. And I was oh. like, it was, I can't That is it. lovely. It's phenomenal. It yeah. Oh my God, I've actually got tears in my eyes, you know. I, I was a bit, t- and, and like, I was watching all these people, I was like, because the, the other mm. thing, you'll always get told is, <clears throat> Chinese people don't go to the theatre, you'll always get told that. Well, mm. maybe they would if there was stuff for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you, if you cut them out of it, of course they don't go. Why would you, yeah. why would you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the last time that I took my mum to the cinema was when we watched Crazy Rich Asians because yeah. it was re- tenuously linked to our culture, even though I feel like it's still quite far removed from what we yeah. know. But but it was like the only mainstream movie out at the time that we felt like we could take my mum to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs- that's absolutely. Yeah. Have you taken her to see The Farewell? No, but I, did, I have watched it myself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I didn't know it was out in the cinema, to be honest. Yeah, I it thought, was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I've watched yeah, it myself, we- yeah. We organised a big screening of it in London. Where we got, you know, like we, mm. we've done these things with Beats where we we did a, a big screening of Crazy Rich Asians with the farewell. Yeah, with, you know, entirely East Asian Chinese. Audience. Yeah, oh, I wish I lived in London now, you know, because I feel like in Manchester we're still missing that. It's a shame because okay. you've got such a such a long-standing community there as well. Yeah, yeah, the biggest Golden yeah. Gates in Europe. We have. Yeah, in yeah. Um, oh, you know, it's been amazing speaking to you, and I love that the proudest Thank moment you. of your career is kind of nothing to do with. An, an accolade or an award it's to do wow. with kind of the, the validation of your community and I, I love that so much so yeah thank you for sharing that with us oh, uh, so where, where can people find you then on socials um, I'm on Twitter at Daniel F York I might change that actually but uh, Daniel <laughs> F York yeah. um, I'm Facebook Daniel York Low Instagram Daniel York Low I think yeah 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 but, yeah all those um, yeah. The We Are Not a Virus event is on the mm. 13th to 14th of June. It's all sold out at the moment, but we are releasing some other tickets. I'm not in charge of this. Oh, is it sold out? Oh, yeah, okay. It is going to be up there after it's to be streamed, though, so don't, 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 yeah. don't worry. It's just what we're trying to do is create a live theatre feel, mm. you know, so so people can register for it. It's free. I mean, you can offer, you can give a donation to charity if you want, mm. but it's free. Mm. Um, so the idea is there's only, there's only like, uh, about 100 tickets so so it's, mm. it's a theater event for that night but people will be able to see see, see it all after yeah. that so amazing to watch it you can yeah. also watch and it's quite complicated there's an organization called liver l-i-v-r yeah forgotten my player about the world one chinese labor call is on there basically mm. you, you you subscribe and they send you a, a, a surround head kit and it's like literally wow. like the audience it's like nothing else on earth really. cool Okay, yeah. well, I'll link all those in the show notes so people can check them out. But, yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Daniel. I really I appreciate your time. It's been really interesting, and I've learned a lot from this call oh, as well, no. just listening to you and your career and, and just oh, no. everything you have to say. So, yeah, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. So, really, I really appreciate it. And, and send me the, the link and everything when it's up. And, yeah, uh, yeah, of course I will do. Yeah, no. we're going to put it live before um, before your show goes out. I mean, I know it's sold out anyway, but just to kind of bring some awareness to it. it. Like I say, it'll be up there afterwards. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and I want to listen to the other, other things, you've, other podcasts you've had. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Daniel. I appreciate your time. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.